The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to The Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Patrick Lunn, and... Me, Rob Davis. Man, we never really talk about it, but I really like our intro. Yeah, I was toying with the idea of just like the moment we hit record, just taking over and introducing us for a change. Just to mix it up, but I keep forgetting that until after we've done the intro. <laughs> I was uh, I was toying with the idea of just making some random like trumpeting sounds, uh, saxophone sounds. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I just wanted to shout that out. It's it's a cool intro uh, that I really like. Um, anyway, we have a awesome show for you guys today we're on part six of death math uh we're also going to be talking about um scenes that we would like to see in the dresden files uh hopefully not coming books or even kind of flashbacks or what have you um but before all that um just a big Thank you to all the support we've got around our Patreon. Uh, we've seen a, a huge leap in uh, downloads and listens to all of our, our podcasts. Uh, we've seen uh, more social interaction. And um, and we've seen a couple of you join our Discord through the Patreon, which is awesome. And uh, we were having a good little chat on there um, all about theories to do with Battlegrounds the other night which was quite fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And uh, with Patreon being mentioned, um, I guess a shout out to our patrons, Dave G and Daniel O'Rear. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Um, and we hope to see more of you guys on there. Uh, it's just uh, uh, patreon.com slash paranet uh, to find us. Um just making sure that is correct. It's patreon.com slash paranet podcast to find us. Uh, and then you can come and join our merry band of Discord Dresden heads. Um, oh, yeah. We'd love to see you there. Um, fantastic. Okay, so uh, jumping into our topic of conversation today. So this is our paranetworking segment. We do this uh, every week. We talk about something going on in the world of Dresden Files. Now that we're in a bit of a lull, as Jim is in between books, and I'm sure feverishly working on next uh, projects, um, we are picking up some Dresden theories, questions, uh, big topics in the community that people love to discuss. Uh, and today our topic is scenes that we'd like to see. Um, so this is scenes that we would like to see in the Dresden Files, either flashbacks or in the future. We also put this out to our Discord, so uh, we're going to mention a couple of uh, the responses that we got there. And if you want to, to jump in and get mentions and stuff, you can join our Discord and we'll probably uh, bring up your points as well in these sort of discussions. Um, so, Rob, what is a scene you'd like to see? I honestly don't know. Um, maybe some kind of, like, Cthulhu-esque cosmic madness. Okay. Like, someone just so like, like, losing their mind because they have too much knowledge or some shit like that, you know? <laughs> I can kind of see that with the outsiders. Like, I, I'm sure they could pull something like that off. Yeah, I mean, it's something where I'm, I'd be kind of surprised if we didn't get anything like it. Yeah, I'd be interested if if Merlin is still alive, what's he like? Is he insane? I imagine, you know how, um, have you seen Shrek the Third? I have seen Shrek the Third. <laughs> you know uh, Merlin in that? Yeah, yeah. I kind of imagine. I can see that. I kind of imagine that, like voiced by John Oliver and everything. 
<laughs> yeah, I could very much see that. Um, okay, that's interesting. Um, so that that's kind of something that we could maybe see in the future, I guess. Or I guess that could also be a past scene. Um, are there any uh, characters... Is, is there any scenes from the characters past that you'd like to see? Um, yes and no. Like, I want Elaine to have a bit of a bigger role, but I also don't want to see her again at all. That's interesting. Um, why not see her at all? I don't know. I just feel that I don't know. Pers- personally, I struggle to see how she'd fit into everything that's going on uh, where the series is at the moment. I know what you mean. It does feel a bit like um, like Daredevil joining the Avengers. Yeah. Um, which I know is something that did happen in the comics, but um, it's just like different leagues of power, I guess. Um. um. Just trying to think of who else. Uh, if, if you want to go in the meantime, though, same question. Yeah, definitely. So uh, there's a few things that uh, I wouldn't mind seeing. Um, I really, really enjoy scenes that we get with Dresden's dad. Um, and I would be really interested to see like the first meeting of Dresden's father with uh, his mother. That's really um, just anything about I think that'd be really. Yeah, I think that would be would be really sweet, um, and there could be some interesting, like background there. Um, I mean, was it like a flash in a pan kind of thing, or was it something that like they intended to be a, a much longer term relationship? Um, I'd really like to learn more about that. Um, I think uh, other things that I'd find uh, that would be cool I would love I would absolutely love and we might still get this in one of the later books A Siege of Edinburgh Castle Ooh, that would be good Um, Like the White Council at their absolute most powerful seat of power being attacked by the Fomor, the Outsiders, maybe vampires, maybe Denarians, who knows who else can be roped into that fight, um, and seeing what spells have been laid down for centuries, manifesting and fighting. Um, I I can almost see Jim claiming something about, like, the Scottish sp- like fighting spirit is something that's been created by wizards <laughs> to make them more rebellious in case Scotland gets overrun by the Fomor or something. That would um, be pretty gnarly. It would. <laughs> um, so that's, that's definitely something I'd love to see. Um, I think it'd be cool to see Harry's warden group that he used to work with. Um just a bit more of like their their missions together because they, they kind of come off like a bit of a super team but we never really saw them be a team we've only ever seen like it's only ever really been mentioned yeah um so that would be cool um i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i'd enjoy um i think a little bit more reaction from the non-magical world into um I, I mean it seems to be kind of the way that that jim's going but then he kind of pulled it back at the last minute in battleground hmm. where um it's like is there going to be this big integration between the mortal world and the magical world um and I guess I, I would enjoy seeing more of that or seeing, like, fairies fighting Apache helicopters and stuff like that. Could be very interesting. That would be pretty cool. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I really want to see. I would enjoy a Dresden story set in New York. Um, I know that that's 
kind of out of the scope of the series because it's very Chicago based. But maybe, maybe you could do an, an Elaine story in New York, um, or something like that, just because there's so much iconic scenery. Um, that'd be really cool. Um, yeah, I think that's that's those are the big ones for me. Um, I suppose I would also really enjoy watching Shiro fight in the Jade Court. I mean, I'd happily watch Shiro do anything. Jade Court, more denarians, you name it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into it in, a, in next episode, but there's a bit of history with the Knights of the Cross, and I'd be really interested to see the story of how Sonya joined them from their perspective. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, that that could be like an interesting short story. Uh, do you have any others that you wanted to throw in? Not that I can think of. Okay. Uh, we've got a couple from the uh, the Discord uh, from O-Rare uh, 03. Um, we've got uh, McCoy and Listens to Wins reactions to Harry being ousted from uh, the White Council. Uh, the Gatekeeper as well. Um, we've got the first time the Wardens try to expect, inspect Harry's home slash castle. Uh, we've got Harry schooling with River Shoulders. Um, and then we've got uh, Harry and Murph's reunion. Um, I don't want to go too far into these because I know they are quite big spoilers. Yeah. Uh, I think just given the titles is fine. Uh, but I will say that they are super cool um yeah, first ideas. One is really good as um, well. i think yeah i think like how people are responding to harry's ousting um i was thinking that it'd be cool to see a meeting of the gray council and i guess that could kind of be it yeah i'd be oh man um, to be fair i'd just take anything more dresden gimme 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 yes yeah yeah <laughs> um I suppose there is the one that we've, we've wanted to see for so long, which is just more Ferravax. Just more oh. Ferravax. Yeah, like... Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we've then got... Uh, <laughs> from Big D, 111966... Um, a big spoiler for the next book, so I'm going to leave that one. Uh, but then more Tutu and the Tsar Lord's Guard. Um, yeah, I, w- I would love more Tutu. He's always fun to talk about. Um, I I'm, guess I am interested where where they're going to go next with him, really. Yeah. Because um, I feel like Toot's just getting bigger and bigger. And I kind of wonder if, like, eventually... Toots able to be like giant sized or something. That'd be cool. Um, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, the, the great thing is, like, like you just said, any Dresden is good Dresden, really. Um, so I do almost feel like I'd take anything, but um, the it. Jim has a really good sense for what fans will enjoy. So I kind of trust him to pick the best scenes for mm. us to see. Um, one that really comes to mind is at the end of the last book, and this isn't really a spoiler because it doesn't affect anything, um, is uh, the kind of Frozen, like the nod to Frozen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was really, really sweet. And some of the short stories, particularly, we're starting to get towards the point where there's a lot more short stories that we'll be able to start talking about. Um, and the short stories really do get those moments that are super exciting and super fun and very kind of, um, I don't know, like 
fan service-y, but not in the bad way. That, that I mean, that phrase has been co-opted by just the worst people. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I think Jim's very good at making fans happy with good scenes. Um, okay, cool. Uh, is there anything else you want to throw in on that, Rob? Not really. I think I know that there's so much to talk about there, but I don't want to. I don't want that to be like the main focus. I guess. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, in that case, we will jump straight into our Dresden Files book club. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> uh, Dresden Files book club, of course, is uh, mine and Rob's uh, insane gamble through uh, all of Jim Butcher's beautiful meadow of content, whether it's board games uh rpgs video games comics short stories novels uh tv series and everything in between um we are currently on the fifth book of the series death mass uh and we are on part six uh, every time i do a recount of last week's chapters uh then Rob will jump in with an overview of this week's chapters. Then we end on a little bit of discussion, a little bit of lit crit, a little bit of geeking out, uh, and a healthy amount of peep show quotes. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, this week on Death Maths. Chapter 17 uh, saw Harry stop by his office and pick up a tiny thread from the missing, missing? missing shroud before returning to the carpenters to pick up Shiro. The two then made their way to McAnally's, making small talk. Shiro mentioned he'd been involved in many duels, including dueling a vampire of the Jade Court in Southeast Asia. This is where we went into our big speculation over the Jade Court. Uh, Shiro then suggests that Harry talks to Ortega and tries to find a way to settle things without it going to a duel. At Max, uh, Harry and Shiro are joined by Kincaid, representing the Archive, uh, Ortega, and his second, the one and only Thomas Rafe. Kincaid and the seconds discuss the duel while Harry and Ortega talk. Neither want the duel. And while it isn't personal, Ortega says the only alternative to the duel is Harry being turned to a red court vampire. Naturally, Harry tells him where to stick it. That takes us to chapter 18. After Kincaid and Ortega take their leave, Thomas warns Harry that Ortega will cheat in their duel. Harry thanks him, but Thomas avoids, ans avoids answering why he's giving Harry the heads up. Shiro tells Harry the weapon of choice is Will with the event set for the following evening at Reilly Field. Shiro goes on to tell Harry not to blame himself for the war. They used him as an excuse, and they, are, they were preparing for war long before his actions. Shiro further agrees with Thomas that regardless of the duel's outcome, Ortega would see Harry dead. Shiro takes a cab back to the Carpenters, while Susan picks up Harry in a limo, equipped with a change of fancy clothes. It's time to go to the gala. At, that takes us to chapter 19. While at the gala, uh, Harry and Susan run into none other than gentleman Johnny Marcone. Marcone seems to have no knowledge of the attack on Harry. Hendrix joins with a mystery woman. The woman asks if there's a problem. She introduces herself as Miss Guard, a security, uh, a security consultant from Monarch Securities, possibly the one behind Marcone's new and strong wards. It's suggested that Marcone is there as a buyer for the Shroud. Harry and Susan attempt to get to the Shroud at Anna Valmont before the auction begins. Finding Anna Valmont and the Shroud in a funky situation, Anna threatens to shoot Harry. Three denarians then arrive at the scene. That takes us to chapter 20. Of the three denarians, we are introduced to Nicodemus, as well as reintroduced to Deirdre from the boat and a serpent-like creature. 
As Nicodemus begins to monologue, Anna instantly opens fire on him with no effect. Nicodemus continues, stating he wants the shroud. Harry threatens to destroy it if they continue. They call the bluff and point a gun at Anna, knowing Harry will jump to defend the lady. Harry sends a blast of fire at Nicodemus, without, but without his blasting rod, the fire is wild and way more destructive. In the aftermath, he grabs for Anna and runs. Catching up with Susan... She joins the fight, kicking some serious demon ass. Harry notices a magic aura around Susan. The snake denarian gets the drop on her. Tattoos begin to appear on Susan's body. The denarian recognises the tattoos and recognises the fellowship is here. After a bit more of a tussle, the serpent-like denarian retreats. As the trio get to the limo, Susan and Anna manage to escape, but Harry and the Shroud are caught by Nicodemus. His shadow wraps around Harry. Nicodemus declares that he wants to talk before he is knocked out cold. Nicodemus Arcleone takes Harry Dresden as hostage. And then it's over to you, Rob. Cool. Um, I won't be as dramatic, so I apologise. Chapter 21. <laughs> when Harry... Uh... <laughs> awakens he is bound and helpless as Nicodemus's prisoner um he's kind of I didn't know how to write this down because I don't know like he's not submerged in water but he's like he's just kind of dumped in like a bath kind of vibe isn't he like a showery yeah yeah I wasn't sure how to describe it but in any case water's involved so he can't use his like fire magic as easily um or at all is probably a better way of putting that. Uh, Nicodemus pops up wearing his pyjamas, going for like, the, the full uh, Hugh Hefner look. And Harry tries talking to like the goons that are guarding him, and they're they're pretty unresponsive. And Nicodemus is like, oh yeah, to uh, ensure their obedience, they have their tongues removed. Um, which is pretty disgusting. And man, like, I mean, there's there's a little bit more banter here, but like, I think one of the jokes is said that oh, you know, that they get great dental in the uh, like work plan. Yeah, and I mean, I, one I appreciate that, but two, like, I don't know, like, we, would you accept a job from this guy if the condition was like we remove your tongue? <laughs> it just seems like, I mean, surely that affects how you're doing your job if you're a guard as well. I mean, I don't think, I don't think you question Nicodemus. Oh, I mean, obviously. <laughs> I imagine at the point where you're being asked, you know, do you want your time or not for this job? It's either you say yes or you die. So, yeah. Anyway, Nicodemus acknowledges that he remembers and respected Harry's mother fondly. Uh, I can't remember if you refers to her as by name here, but in any case her name, Margaret, is brought up. But it's interesting to note that Nicodemus refers to Harry as Margaret Lafay's youngest child. Which, you know, implies mm. more children running around, which is always a joy. Um, a bit like our Prime Minister. Um, Nicodemus <laughs> Nicodemus <laughs> wants to know Harry better and get a better judge for his character. Um, and we you need to remember at this point that, yes, they could torture and kill Harry, but the Denarians are also in town on a bit of a recruitment drive, and Harry is a subject of great interest. Um, Nicodemus also adds that he won't underestimate Harry. He knows that Harry has taken out rival practitioners in the forms of sorcerers such as Victor Sells and Leonard Kravos, as well as taken out fairy queens and members of the Red Court. Um, Nick also reveals that he's responsible for editing the Knight's Prophecy and we're also formally introduced to Deirdre by name at this point who like, it's just really weird weird scene because she's introduced as Nicodemus's daughter and I can't remember what the line is but she basically sits next to him and he's like come get some breakfast dear and then they just start making out yeah, um, 
I mean, speaking of political figures, there is uh, a little bit of Trump and Ivanka to it. <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Um, but yeah, Preston uh, is full on offered at this point to join the Denarians or die, and they offer him, you know, one of the Denarian coins. Um, and it, what I find interesting is that. And I don't think we find this out until much later, so I'll come back to it for sure. But an interesting exchange is that Harry says, you know, if I accept the coin, what's to stop me from just using that power to beat your ass to death? And Nicodemus is yeah. oh, absolutely nothing. Um, blah, 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 blah. But he's, Harry is also informed by Nicodemus that Nick knows him. He knows why Harry does what he does. And this kind of goes back to the earlier question of why Harry does what he does. And he does it out of fear, fear of what he could become. So another Leonard Kravos, another Victor Stelz, he's had a taste of that power and he's a constant fear of losing that control and just going down the dark path. Um, yeah, Definitely. The result here is typical Harry Dresden and and his his actual words are fuck off nick <laughs> and we roll yeah. up to chapter 22 and none other but shiro arrives our our hero of the day and and with great speed he just knocks out the goons unconscious and manages to kind of get the drop on Deirdre, i guess because it doesn't sound like she really fought back. He just kind of ran over to her, kicked her to the floor, and then held his uh, sword to her neck. Um, yeah. But, I mean, compared to what we've seen of Shiro so far, this is completely different. This is, like, full Knight of the Cross, like, the speed and grace that he fights. His expression is stark and serious. Um, and in this moment, Nicodemus shows signs of fear and weakness. The shadows that, I guess, form his power kind of retreat and kind of form a bit more of a dis- defensive stance. Um, and while while this is going on as well, he also holds a knife to Dresden's neck and threatens to kill Harry. Um, uh-huh. We all know that the Knights of the Cross are here to kind of bring redemption, I guess, to Denarians. And Nicodemus ref- refuses this and refuses to hand over Harry. And Shiro offers a trade, his life for Harry's freedom. And Nicodemus must get a fucking hard-on out of this because he agrees so long as Shiro is completely at his mercy and doesn't try to make any attempt to escape for 24 hours. And Shiro agrees, and Harry is released. Harry makes his way to Shiro's side, and Shiro hands to him Fidelacius, the uh, super-special blade of you know Knights of the Cross and all that kind of shite. And he gives him the blade and tells him to run. And as Harry runs, we kind of see slash hear Shiro release Deirdre from her grasp, whatever you want to call it. And Nicodemus, his shadows, like, just submerge completely Shiro. And we just hear Nicodemus order Deirdre to kill Harry and retrieve the sword. Which... I mean, shows that he priorities, I guess. You know, like it's a holy relic. Yeah, you need it. And if you don't want to use it, destroy it. You know, um, chapter twenty-three. Harry roaming around in the darkness, trying to get out of this place. Thankfully, he doesn't run into Deirdre here, but he does get into a bit of a light fight. And I don't know what the tone was going for here, but I kind of took it as like quite humorous just because they're fighting in the dark and he doesn't know who it is. Um, but in any case, he just proceeds to like batter this person. Um, yeah. And then... I like, got a bit of that too. Yeah, like I wasn't too sure, but meh. Um, and then he's reunited with Susan and the two manage to escape Undertown, narrowly avoiding Deirdre. Uh, Susan says that, you know, they went to Michael Carpenter's for help once uh, they lost Harry. And Shiro knew where to go, offering and offered to help. And we say he knew where to go, but it's more 
the whole Knights of the Cross act of faith thing, like wherever the Lord wants me to be is where I'll be. And it kind of ran on that. Um, Martin arrives with the car and Harry and Susan get in and they start going into this car chase where they're being pursued and all that. And Harry suggests that his apartment can be used as a safe house. They've got the strong wards and all that kind of shit. So they're going to be fine. Um, and yeah, as, as the chase goes on, Harry and Susan jump out of the moving car and luckily they manage to evade their pursuers who are now just following Martin in the car. Chapter 24. Following on from this, Harry's wizard senses start to tingle and he realises that he's become the target of a really harsh and deadly entropy curse, which, fully uninitiated, is super bad luck. Um, yeah, they manage to get into his apartment before he's electrocuted for standing in a puddle and all this kind of stuff. Um, manages to get into the apartment and get his wards back in place. Uh, Susan, at this point, her vampire-ness, her first and all that kind of stuff, is at the absolute brink of her control. Harry offers her a Coke, which is, you know, take a shot, drink a Coke. Um, <laughs> she needs to leave for Harry's own safety. But Harry states, we can't leave the house. One, there's the uh, entropy curse and pursuers. And, you know, we've also got my strong wards and defences to deal with. And they won't drop for another couple of hours. Um, Harry also notices that Susan starts kind of getting distracted and is staring at his gunshot wound from earlier, which, you know, blood and vampires, it's not a good not a good idea. So Harry goes to clean the wound, and when he returns, Susan's condition is worsened, and they agree that she must be restrained. And that's where we wrap up these chapters. Yeah, uh, just before we get into the most steamy chapter of Dresden yeah. uh, to date, um, I will say I've just got the line of the uh, with, with the Coke, and I think this is one of our one of the more classic Coke mentions. Um, I limped to the ice box, which was going to need more ice before long. I didn't <laughs> have the leftover energy to freeze the water again by magic. I grabbed two cans of Coca Cola, opened them both, and took one to Susan. She took a long guzzle, and I joined her. Oh my! <laughs> Ooh. Oh, it's getting a bit is it hot in here? Or is it just Coke? <laughs> uh, I wonder how Jim feels about the new Coca-Cola Zero. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he has a strong opinion on it. I'd be interested to find out. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, we have some really cool chapters here. This is kind of. Um, the big tussle, I guess, with the Janarians was partly last week and kind of continues here. And we really get a feel for how frightening uh, Nicodemus particularly can be. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the stuff with Shiro, um, the escape... Um, I like something I really love about Death Masks in in total is it's the first time and one of the only times really where we see Harry losing a lot. Um and it we'll talk about it more when we get to the end of the book, but um this isn't this is a dark Dresden story, like Harry doesn't totally win all the time in this one. And um, you get the feeling that Nicodemus... It's its its an upping of the stakes because Nicodemus is this being that Harry can't outwit. Nicodemus is smarter than him. He can't um, out-magic. Nicodemus has more, more magical power than him. And he can't out-muscle because Nicodemus is stronger than him. Uh, and I, I feel like you get a really good feel for it here. And, like, if Shiro hadn't have given himself up, there was no way for Harry to escape or to be okay. Um, it was... He was just completely locked down. 
Um, and I think that that's... Poof. That, I mean, if you need something to up the stakes, geez, that's massive. Um, what do you make of it? Of these chapters? I mean, it, it's weird because we're like three quarters of the way into the book. And in my head, all of this stuff was a lot earlier on. So I'm a bit surprised that it's as late as it is in the book. But um, no, for the most part, I really enjoy it. Like, especially the first. Uh, two chapters with um like I love the conversation with Nicodemus, especially when Dresden's mother is mentioned. And I mean that's partly because any time Margaret Lefay is mentioned, I'm just like I know, I just get excited because I, I just love hearing the pieces of her backstory. And especially here where we find you know, not finding out that Harry's the youngest child, but the, the mention of him being the youngest child and that kind of implication that she had more children. I mean, obviously we know like stuff further down the line about that, but it's it's great hearing about it here. Yeah. Because I don't think it's something I picked up on, actually, in my first read-through. No, I, I mean, it's one of those things where it, you kind of, if you're not doing a Dresden Files podcast about it, um, you <laughs> just go, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, um, but now when we're looking at it, I'm I'm always just like, oh my god, that means so much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what from the context that's given, which isn't much, it's basically just Nicodemus saying that he respected her. Yeah, um, which is kind of a scary thing to think because it's like. What do you have to do to earn Nicodemus's respect? It's quite interesting because, and I feel I feel a lot of like evil factions throughout the series kind of have this kind of thing, where um, you know Margaret Le Fay is mentioned, or in some kind of context, or Harry will do something, and it will be like, oh, the only other person I know who's been this deadly towards us before was uh, Margaret Le Fay, and yeah, I think. Like not not really spoilers, but I think um oh what's the fucking guy called? Goodman Gray? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like there's when when he's introduced, there's a line like that again where um and again I don't think he addresses I can't remember if he states it's Dresden's mum or not, but like either way he's like, Oh yeah, I had great respect for Margaret Le Fay. And I know like I like that being teased because, again, like you say, like what what has she done to have gained the respect of all these like magical creatures and entities? Yeah. Um. And I I don't really have a good theory on what it is. I mean, we we learned some of like what her research was in the past later on, mm. but I don't think that that would really be of interest to Nicodemus. Yeah. Um, without giving too many spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah, I. it's a strange one. I'm just trying to find the exact quote uh, of what he says to her. Um, his dark eyes glittering with something ugly. Little Maggie's youngest. You've grown up to be a man of considerable strengths. Uh, and then he doesn't really say much more. Doesn't need uh, to. Really, Harry does he? digs into it. No. Um, yeah, that's that is interesting. Uh, that he would address her as little Maggie and not Margaret Le Fay either. But that might just be him being a bit tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. I mean, it's more interesting because, I mean, to my knowledge, the only people on the White Council that know the relationship between Harry and Margaret Le Fay is Ebenezer. Um, yeah. Because I feel... I know... It, I, it, because I think even when they mention Margaret Le Fay, it's always in a kind of, you know, that, that typical negative light, oh, she was too much of a free spirit. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, she's got a streak of Dresden in her, I think. Yes. Or Dresden's got a streak of her in him. <laughs> um, the other thing that uh, he says is that he has a fun memory or two of her. Um, which, is, yeah, again, it's just... I get the feeling that Margaret Le Fay was... I mean, she she obviously interacted with most of the magical factions and kind of seemed to play them against each other a bit. Because mm. um, she seems to have a lot of friends in all factions, so that would be a way to kind of get information. And I don't know. It, it is, it's very interesting. I, I see her... I've always seen her as quite on the, like, Faye side, uh, obviously because Margaret Le Fay, but also because that seems to be where her um, knowledge mostly was, is kind of travelling, traversing the never-never. Um, it'd be really interesting. I, it's really interesting to know that she obviously has connections with the Genarians and connections with um, some of the vampire corpse that we learn about in later books. Um what her like big plan was? Was she just getting information on them, or was there something more to it? And I and I guess that this is all Jim laying groundwork for uh, stuff that he's going to reveal. I hope, I really hope. Yeah. Um. Cool. So, uh, we've got a couple of different talking points. Uh, Undertown. Um, I think we have we've kind of touched on Undertown before. Um, it was in the last book. I don't think it got mentioned before then. Um, and it's this kind of. Um, it's actually based on a real place, which is that Chicago is raised up um, on kind of like stilts, essentially, hmm. uh, because Lake Michigan was eroding it. Uh, so there are there's houses and stuff in Chicago that have multiple front doors on different levels because they've had to raise the street up. So they've had to raise where the front door of the, each house was. Uh, and Undertown is meant to be all those bottom parts of houses and houses that weren't able to be lifted up and stuff. Um, and I believe that you can still go like explore those parts of the city, which is pretty cool. Um, but in the Dresden Files, Undertown is this kind of... I, I almost compare it to, like, the Upside Down in Stranger Things. It's like this magical reflection of Chicago mm. in those buildings. Um, and it's a place where magical beings can uh, forego their human form and lurk as creatures of the night, kind of. Um, which is very good if you're someone like Nicodemus who likes to be all sinister and evil. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think there's much more to say on that one, unless there's anything you want to throw in, Rob. No, I mean, I'm not sure. I think I mainly put it down on the talking points just because it was mentioned as Undertown. Like, we don't really see it in the same way we saw it in the previous book. Yeah, I... I feel like the next book we get a bit more of it, and it, it's one of those things that obviously Jim returns to time and time again. Um, yeah, okay. Um, Nicodemus is cautionate about Harry, uh, and it's something that we want to talk about. So um, Harry actually notes this uh, and says that... Uh, it's something on the lines of, oh yeah, he says, uh, you're afraid of me to Nicodemus. Um, and Nicodemus comes back with, boy, you've destroyed three rival practitioners of the arts, a noble of the vampire court, and even one of the fairy queens. They underestimated you as well as your allies. I don't. I suppose you could think of your current position as a compliment. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, 
it's a really good point though um it's a funny one like i feel like it's a classic like superhero trope for like dr octopus to be like uh green goblin and the shocker were both taken down but i'm smarter than both those guys you've got no chance against me kid yeah i mean uh, uh no no how do you, do you how do you think the book's gonna end do you think nicodemus will win <laughs> you know it's a funny one um <laughs> because he doesn't i'm i don't want to spoil into this book um <laughs> but i feel like this here is defining nicodemus as um a different type of enemy oh definitely um uh, i mean we we've basically said already that this isn't his only appearance in the series um and he is a recurring villain unlike the the villains the last couple of books to some degree are recurring but um it's not the same person it's more like the same organization uh whereas nicodemus comes back time and time again i i think that this here um this recognition of harry as a as a tough opponent um just shows that that nick is he's ready for him on some level yeah it's all stakes again oh definitely um um go ahead uh yeah i was just gonna say kind of following that i guess harry's offer to join nicodemus like with the coin, like what did you think of that? Because I think there's an interesting point that's brought up in the next chapter, but I'm going to bring it up here anyway. Um, <laughs> I say next chapter in like the next episode, I meant, which is Harry's yeah. asking about the Denarians uh, when he's talking to Father Forthill, and he he asks like, I think Forthill says something like Denarians don't normally work together. Um, like Nicodemus is 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 a rare creature among them in that he'll have a group of like maybe four of them, including himself, working together. And mm. I I mean that's something that I completely forgot. Um, but I mean that's also interesting because when when Harry's like, uh, oh, who's to say I won't accept the coin and use that power to you know basically beat the fuck out of you. And Nicodemus is like, oh, absolutely nothing. It it brings a new angle, and it, it makes me wonder what what the situation would have been like if he had accepted the coin. Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, I almost get the feeling that Nicodemus is like, I could take whatever beating you could you could throw at me, even with the coin. Oh yeah. Um, so he would he would see it as a fine trade to be if he could convert Dresden. It wouldn't matter that Harry is uh, Harry beats him this time. He would then have another super super powerful Denarian um, on his side. And I think again, this is all about uh, Nicodemus recognizing the power um of dresden and being like i yeah i'll i'll trade whatever to get you on my side um mm. even if that means that you're going to beat me this time so i i think yeah i think harry harry would have felt like he won and maybe nicodemus would have even kind of let him win yeah um and then would have uh and then Harry, I, th I feel like that would have actually given Lashiel an in to yeah. Harry. Um, Lashiel is the the angel that inhabits the coin. We'll we'll talk about it next episode. Um, but yeah, um, I think the success and the power uh, would have actually been damaging, if anything. Um, yeah. 
uh, w- one really interesting thing here is um, that during that that discussion about the the coin and stuff, um, Nicodemus literally asks him, "Why do you do it?" Um, and and I guess that that's the running theme of this book. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting one, and uh, one of the things that Dresden says is that he's a disciple of the Tower of Peter Parker, uh, <laughs> which I yeah super appeals to to geeks uh, everywhere. Great power, great responsibility, um, and I guess that is kind of what why he does what he does. Uh, maybe that's why I, I get such strong like superhero vibes off him. Is that he, he is kind of doing it because he's the only one who can, sort of yeah. thing. Um. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, I think with the coin, uh, Dresden would have been, would probably have won this one, but in the long run, would have been doomed. 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 Um. What did you think of Shiro? Uh. Just in total. I mean, I love the Knights of the Cross anyway, and I remember when I first read this, one, I was excited because Michael was back, and two, I was more excited because he had two friends with him. Um, And yeah, Shiro, I I feel like this is the defining moment for him as well, because he's a bit like the gatekeeper in that he just... You know, from from the start, he just defends Dresden. Like Dresden needs a second. Shiro's like, "Fuck it, I'll do it." Yeah. And we don't know. Like he has no reason to, other than, you know, he met Dresden earlier in the book, I guess. But um, no, like I like it, and I especially like this scene. And it's, I think, getting that insight into a bit like that that kind of conversation in the previous episode where. He says that he fought the Jade Court, he's fought many duels before and all that kind of thing. He's he's taken on Denarians in the past. And the fact that we know he's an old guy as well, I can't remember if he specified when he became a Knight of the Cross. But he's clearly been at it for a fucking long time. So, yeah. And also, by Nicodemus's reaction, when he offers himself in exchange for Harry, and Nic- Nicodemus's reaction is just kind of like... I can see it in my head where he just gives like one of those really evil grins of just like, yes. So like he's getting like he's get he's getting like a fucking prime target. Like Shiro would have been a you know, is 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 described as being, you know, pretty OG and out there. Like Denarians have had trouble taking him down for years, otherwise they would have done it already. So the fact he's getting a free shot at him. Oh man, I mean, it, it goes into the whole honourable aspect as well for Shiro. Like it's full on like Obi Waning himself, like in A New Hope. Oh, hundred percent. But a bit more violent. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I fucking love it. Like, I would love to get a short story, like we kind of said earlier, like a short story or something with just Shiro's like history, him taking on Jade Court and all that kind of stuff. Because, I mean, his presence here is felt. It's one of those character. Like moments where it it's mentioned and referenced even like now in the series. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I got serious like um, Yoda vibes, I guess, from Shiro, yeah. which I know is is kind of playing off that trope, uh, but um, where. Like, it felt very much like uh, I and, and I know people might have a problem with this film, but it felt like Attack of the Clones, where um, like Harry's like Obi Wan almost trying to fight Count Dooku has absolutely no chance, and then Shiro as Yoda showing up to fight Dooku, um, Dooku being Nicodemus, um, and I, and I seriously got that that vibe of like these two old nemesises 
or Nemesis, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, facing off. Like this is this is Batman and the Joker. This is Spider Man and Green Goblin. Um, it's it's proper like. Um, I I imagine that Nicodemus and Shiro have fought a hundred times uh, with different schemes, and Shiro has always prevailed somehow. And then for Shiro to then be like, "I'm done, man. Take me." <laughs> Nicodemus cannot resist it. Not one bit. Agreed. Um. Yeah, and and I think we just. All that battle prowess and stuff we get with Shiro is is incredible. Um, like obviously he can take on Denarians without batting an eyelid, um, and he's just very unflappable. But in that kind of stoic sense, I guess where it's um, he just keeps he doesn't let let things affect his mental disposition. Yeah. Um, like he's just kind of like, okay, well, whatever will be, will be, we'll deal with it. Um, which is very cool oh, and very admirable. Agreed. Um, and very much plays into that kind of ancient master sort of stereotype as well. Um, cool. Well, that kind of takes us to uh, the big escape uh, and. The Entropy Curse. What do you think of the Entropy Curse? Yeah, like again, I'm not sure why I put it on the talking points. I guess I just wanted to pad it out. But um, I mean, I I like these kind of curses anyway. Like it reminds me of um, I think it's Supernatural. I can't remember what season or episode, but uh, they have like a rabbit's foot that gives you good luck, and if you don't have it, you're then cursed with like the bad luck or something like that, and. It reminded oh, me. Right. It reminded me a bit of that. I'll I'll send it to you after this because some of the scenes in it are quite funny. But I mean, on on this, it's a lot more serious and violent. I guess it doesn't have that comedic undertone. But um, yeah. No, I I like I like that one of the Denarians as well. Like the snake one is like a expert with fucking sorcery and shit. Yeah, I think that that's, that's an interesting thing that we see with a few different beings, especially ones that can live for a long time. It's really mm-hmm. interesting when they then dip into sorcery as well because they've, they've like learnt for so long to be absolute badasses. Um, it makes for some serious challenges for Dresden on, like, on that level. Um, definitely. Uh, also, just like you say, Entropy Curse... Um, it, it it is it's a cool idea. Um, it makes me think a lot of Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Um, and like the kind of bad luck, chaos magic stuff, more from her comics than than MCU. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the last point you've put down is Susan's thirst, <laughs> which I really think is best to get into in the next episode. Oh, definitely. Um, and that's going to be a fun one to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think that, that that's pretty much it for these chapters. Um, uh, there's some cool moments here, but there's no big introductions. Uh, so unfortunately, we don't really get to play. Who would we cast for X person? Um. Uh. There's. Some nice little nods, but I don't think there's much more to really break down or get into. Um, there's going to be a bit more in the next episode because, like we say, there's a particularly steamy chapter uh, that's going to be worth talking about. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. So, Rob, do you want to uh, do you want to take us out? Uh, yeah. Um, as always, thank you for the support. Uh, we've. I think we've just crossed over 5,100 downloads, which is pretty tight butthole. Um, and yeah, our Patreon is live. Go give that a, you know, check it out. Subscribe if you want. I won't force you, though maybe I should. Um, 
And as always, share, follow, and subscribe. Next week, we'll be doing chapters 25, 26, 27, and 28 of Death Masks. And, <laughs> and yeah, we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Paranet Podcast with your hosts, me, Rob Davis. And me, Patrick Lunn. And we will see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.